Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are delving into books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. This week on Shelf Aware, we are finishing up a uh, unit that was submitted to us by listener James. Thank you again, James, for this lovely unit. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was Weird Westerns, which we started with, I was going to say, all of the books we've read in it, but I've completely forgotten them. Um, Um, (laughs) What was the first one? Beyond the Canyons? Yes, yes, yes. Beyond the Canyons. And then... um, Dawn and Damnation. Dawn and Damnation by Clark Casey. I should probably know who wrote Beyond the Canyons. Hold on. <laughs> For some uh, reason, my mind Canyons, was immediate like it's Kyra Sedgwick. But she's an actress. <laughs> Kira <What>? Halland. <laughs> Close. Um, and today we're reading <laughs> the last one in this unit territory by Emma Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. What'd you think? Okay. I read the book. And I was like, hmm, okay. Just besides the ending, that seemed fine. Three stars. And I rated it that way on Goodreads. And then today, before we record, a few hours beforehand, I went to type up my notes. And I was like, what the fuck was this book? I can't make any sense out of anything that happened. I don't know what to talk about. This book was confusing as fuck when you think about it. But, like, reading it, I was like, this all this all makes sense and it's fine. It's just, like, the slow character study almost but a lot of things happen but none of them are important except all of them are important so I just I don't know (laughs) I I had read other books by this author before um that Mm -hmm. were not westerns um I think of the three books we read I like this one the most oh for sure for sure for sure there was more than one woman yeah overall I felt like it was an upward trajectory in the order that we read them I know you Mm -hmm. I think preferred the first one over the second one but yes that being said i do just feel like maybe this is a genre that just isn't for me uh Mm. sometimes i finish a a unit and i'm like well i didn't really like any of those books but you know i kind of know what i want to look for now but i just Mm -hmm. feel like the i a lot of times when we read a book i'm like well i liked it except for the ending right and i felt like it was the opposite here where i just the beginning of this was such a slog and it, it was, was real slow all quips all quips about the west and, and everybody the plot didn't start for like a hundred something no. pages and then like 50 percent through it finally got to something resembling romance so i was like okay okay I, well, i'm, I'm bored again um mm-hmm. and i liked that part and i liked the ending of this book essentially like the last back half but it was too much but the ending itself though it was fine uh. it reminded me a lot of like a lot of late 90s early 2000s fantasy where it's very understated sort of ending um mm. so i i didn't mind it but here's the thing about this book it's like okay here is this alternative history of what happened in tombstone in the 1880s but then like the two main characters are made up people and mm. doc holiday gets like these pov chapters but really doesn't have much to do with the main story at all. And then Wyatt Earp is somehow, like, the main villain kind of at the end, almost, but not really. Like, there's another main villain. But, again, like, both of these people, it doesn't matter because the book wasn't about them except until the very end. And so it was very frustrating to me. My problem with the alternate history stuff is that I didn't know enough about the OK Corral to know anything. Because I know the names Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. Yeah. I kind of thought they were like bandits and I thought they were on opposite sides. So <laughs> I kind of thought that the OK Corral shootout was between them. Yeah. Tell us what parts of the book were true to history and what was not and whether or not the gunfight that wasn't really a gunfight at the end of territory is supposed to be the shootout, the gunfight at the OK Corral. Yes. I think it was, but just like tweaked a little bit. But I don't know. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> See, to me, like, because I always imagine like it happened in the middle of the day. So I was expecting like this big event. But then the book was like, it happened in the middle of the night. It was a magic sneaky thing. And then Jesse comes to town. like, don't do that anymore. And then Millie looks at some graves. <laughs> that's the end of the book it's like mm, my dead husband is buried here and then the book ends uh yeah i didn't that that it was so abrupt the way the rest of this book is so slow paced and then you get to the end and it's just like goodbye 
Yeah, but Stop I feel like that, that was kind of the style for fantasy. Like, I'm trying to think of the author who I'm thinking Maybe. of. Like, Mercedes Lackey or McKinley, like, that kind of style of, like, really understated endings, I feel mm. like, was kind of what was going on here. But I feel like that has fallen out of popularity in the last, like, decade or so. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe just the ones I happen to read. It felt to me that there there was, like, a plan for a continuation of the story. Because we also don't get, like, any satisfying conclusion at all between Mil- Mildred and Jesse. I don't know. I feel like... It was left open for there to be a sequel, but this was written in 2007, so at this point I don't think we're getting a sequel. (laughs) Yeah, but again, I feel like that's kind of a thing of that time where there were a lot more, I don't know, maybe I'm making excuses for this. At the end of the day, you didn't feel like it wrapped up well, and I, I didn't have a problem with it, but I can see how you would be bothered by it. I mean, the rest, I was, I was fine with most of this book. There were, I, I did have some like, Questions where I had to, not questions, but moments mm-hmm. where I had to like be like, mm, I don't, ca- I don't know if it's okay for a white author to be writing yeah. these things. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, for, I don't know. I sometimes fall into the trap of romanticizing the Wild West, which like, no, we know it wasn't really a glorious time in history that a lot of people make it out to be. Um, but sometimes you can't help romanticizing it and this book it was i was kind of like going along with it and being like wow what a you know great period piece where there's also magic but then looking back on it i was like very unsatisfied so i don't know i i I enjoyed the act of reading it but not thinking about what i read (laughs) how much of your romanticization of the wild west comes from the fact that you're from kansas do you think um you know i would say because i live in kansas I do usually hate a lot of depictions of like planes, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. I do not care for Little House on the Prairie, that series, and like um, My Antonia, Will Cather, John Steinbeck. I'm like, I'm not here for Dust Bowl, Mud House sort of thing, but I don't know, maybe, maybe Wild West. My the the, the region of Kansas that I lived in was very much not mm-hmm. this. Like, I hadn't really ever been to a farm growing up or anything i don't i don't like going outside guys that's my thing i lived in the kansas city metropolitan area my whole first 18 years of life so i don't know (laughs) i'm just because i feel like that's i could see how this and i mean this might be just me guessing wildly but this might be a thing in some like kansas arizona texas sort of states where there's probably a local history part the cow of poke the, life yeah 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 like i feel like we didn't really learn that very much in mm. our like elementary school years i was wondering if like maybe like oh you know we went on a field trip to a corral or something like that <laughs> but we're like you know like they took us to go see like living history uh pioneer type stuff that sort of thing if it was mm. I did volunteer at the American Royal a lot in my youth mm. with my aunt and did a lot of horseback riding, but I don't know. Maybe that all does point to the fact that I just like thinking about horses running in the Great Plains. I don't know, man. This is, this is the reveal that Anna Am I secretly a horse girl? A horse girl the <laughs> <laughs> Would I like to own a horse? Yes. Would I know what to do with it? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Have I used mane and tail shampoo and conditioner? Yes, when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what works for your hair, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. No shame to horse girls, I guess. Uh, let's get into this, this uh, plot synopsis, whatever you have of it. I'm going to tell you right off the top, I'm probably not going to be much help because I was no, that's r- fine. really speed reading this one. Um, My plot synopsis for this is not so much a synopsis as it is just a bunch of things I was thinking as I was typing sure. out notes. And so they they are just in an order of no relation to the book whatsoever. <laughs> so we have our two main characters, Mildred Benjamin, Mrs. Mildred Benjamin, hmm. who is a widow. She's lived in Tombstone for about Mrs. a year. David Benjamin, because if you say Mildred Benjamin, that implies oh that she's a divorcee. I forgot. All these yeah. women in this. I, it was so weird. Imagine going up and introducing yourself like, I'm Mrs. My husband's first and last name. <laughs> like, instead of just saying, like, I'm Anna. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I that 
was actually something I kind of liked was the details about like naming conventions and stuff mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, this is like that sort of like interesting historical oh, tidbit yeah. that I didn't really, and I mean, I assume it's accurate, maybe not, but that is interesting that like, oh, if you say your husband, Mrs. Husband's name, last name, you're either married or a widow. If you say Mrs. Your name, last name, it means you're divorced. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see how that makes logical sense but (laughs) sure (laughs) and i would hate to do that for myself but Mm -hmm. historically oh who would we recommend this book to by the way yeah we didn't do that um if you've been listening to this whole unit and being like man i wish these girls would talk about a book that they like in this series because it sounds like or in this uh genre because it sounds like a cool genre if this genre has appealed to you i think this would be a good one to read it's just not a genre for me so yeah, if I mean, if you have any interest in westerns whatsoever, I think this one is this one's a pretty good one because it does actually have some of the characters that a lot of people are familiar mm-hmm. with in it. Um and I think it has well, obviously it has the best writing, but I think also it just it just feels like the there wasn't like a ton of world building cuz a lot of it is based in like right. history and stuff, but it just felt more authentic, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Very lived in. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, I think that, like, reading this, one of the thoughts I had was, as much as I don't like this genre, it does, Westerns in general, it did put me in mind also of um, uh, cyberpunk, which I feel the same way, that I think these these sorts of genres are probably some of the hardest and most exhausting Mm. to write, just because literally every line has to be, like, it has to sound cool. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Like, it would be just so tiring. Like, I don't know. He walked through the fucking door. I just put that. No, it's got to be like he sauntered in and shot the bartender, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. The bartender and he spit a into the and, spit right, jar or whatever. Like, everything's got to be just oh so cool. <laughs> he scanned it with his eyeball computer <laughs> and counted how many bodies were in the room. And then he kicked it open with his cowboy boot and yes. sauntered into the saloon. Which, Which, if you're in the mood for that, it's a lot of fun. so mildred widow um her husband died like two months after they moved to tombstone which kind of fucking sucks i guess she's she's to be like a society lady and then married down for this guy Mm -hmm. significantly so and so she's just been making her way in life yeah walking fast typesetting for the local one of the local newspapers the nugget I was a little bit confused by, like, the relationship that all the newspapers had with each other because it seemed like everybody worked at both papers. So, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Um, Jesse Fox is our main male lead. And he's just, like, some guy. He tames horses. Um, He was summoned to Tombstone by his Chinese friend, Chao Lung. And he can also do magic. Though, like, at the beginning, he's like, I don't know magic. I know science. My sister tried to do magic, and now she is in an asylum because this is the 1880s, and people treat any hysterical woman like she needs to be committed. Um, so I don't want to do magic. But then by the end of the book, he's like, I could do a lot of magic, guys. <laughs> self My One of the issues I had with the first half of this book mm-hmm. was that I was so primed for it to be a weird Western that I was very much looking for the weird, and it yeah. was very slow in coming, and I did think he was going to be a vampire. Was, was <laughs> that, that would have been really cool. <laughs> I would have liked silver, that. There was like his weird glasses that he wore. I was like, yes, this didn't like the sun. No, it was actually just because he accidentally turned on his night vision and couldn't turn it off. His magical <laughs> night vision. Whoops. <laughs> um. So the first half of the book, everyone in town is a little bit obsessed with some kind of like failed stagecoach robbery or I don't know if they succeeded or not. Uh, The synopsis said failed, but I thought I had read that they succeeded. So I don't know. It was that it had failed, but like they had already taken the money out of the the vault before it got started or something because it was was behind it. So it was like a fake out stealing like sort of thing. It was a big, big heist heist dealio it was a double heist yeah it was a triple but no one explained the heist to me in great detail as it was happening so i just was totally 
not committed. <laughs> um, and there's also like a mining company that is trying to make a land grab. And there's a ton of other little subplots here and there don't really amount to anything. <laughs> but they all come together to like give you a picture of the town and what's happening in the town and like the characters and their motivation. So I don't want to like go over them all because there's a lot, but those are the two big ones, I feel like. <laughs> and even in the land grab thing doesn't really matter that much. No, not really. <laughs> it just made, I guess, there for Jesse to be like, I can do magic. But that's about to. Um, and then we've got like Doc Holiday and the Earps as characters. And Doc Holiday, like I said, gets these like POV chapters where you think he's going to be super important to the story because he's given POV chapters, but then he just like kind of hangs out and fades into the background. <laughs> like the only real reason for him to be in the story, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe there was some other significance he served, was so that we could understand why Kate Holiday turned against him it seemed like in order to get him in prison which was only in the story so that what's her face millie could go to kate holiday and be like what's up and kate holiday could be like magic's real magic yeah yeah it was like the reasons why the things happened like that's why i said like the things that happened in the story were important but only like in i don't know like in very specific ways that aren't important to the overall plot of the book yeah. i don't this is a hard one to describe i just <laughs> i don't know um so chow lung summons jesse to tombstone because he senses that something big is happening or going to happen and i guess there are there oh several other sorcerers or magicians or whatever that actively practice in tombstone and one is wyatt earp and another is, like, some guy named Ringo or something. <laughs> it seems to be, like, a real asshole. Ringo he, Star, yes. Yeah, Ringo Star, the, the most famous of the Beatles. And he, <laughs> like, he was the one doing the land grab stuff. I don't know. He he stole cattle from other ranchers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think he might have been... He kept popping up in the story just being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to see if he's a real person or not. Ringo. All this is going to give me a It was like guess. Jones or something. Ringo Jones. Ringo. Johnny Ringo. Okay. He's real. He's a real person. Okay. And he was. Was he a, a sorcerer? Yes. It says here on Wikipedia that he was a famous magician who did a lot of magic. <sighs> No, um, amazing. He, he was on the cowboy side of the OK Corral thing, I think. Okay, loose. It's as loosely associated with them. So. Okay, so like all these people were really there in this time period. That's cool, I guess. They but the book does weren't this... actually magicians, but we have yeah. no way of knowing. Alas, that is true. Uh, a lot of stuff is lost to time. Yeah, until the technology is there for us to time travel, we just we just know. can't know <laughs> how weird the West was. Um, so the book does this interesting thing where, like, it tricks, it, it makes you wonder, like, who is actually the bad guy and who's, who's, like, who's the badder guy, I guess, because they're both kind of, like, bad magician, black magic, dark magic type guys, mm -hmm. but the story is kind of trying to lead you to believe one is the worst and the other, and then the other is the worst, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed at the end like Jesse was, I, I, I don't know, if, if binding somebody's magic make them a good guy or I don't know. Um, I would argue that it's certainly better use of magic than like killing people, which mm. is what one of them was doing. So like. <laughs> All both of them are doing. It's hard yeah, to say. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, so I feel like by that metric. Yes, there was one who was better because not of the not of Ringo and and uh, Earp, but I feel like they're both bad, and I don't know if there's actually one that's worse. But the other, what's his face? I already forgot the main character of this book. 
Jesse or yes, Mildred? Just like Jesse is definitively white hat, right? Like yes, they're yeah. both black hat. He's white hat by the end of this. Mm. Um. Well, Lung and, Lung and Jesse are trying to investigate what is going on with the magic in Tombstone. They know somebody's fucking around with magic, but they can't really tell who. Uh, except we all can because I spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, and, the people we mentioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. In their investigation, there's like this whole thing with like a dead. <laughs> okay, Mildred. <laughs> there's this whole thing where Mildred <laughs> helps this man escape from jail because, like, him being in jail would mean bad political things for the town. I don't know. No, I so think she, it was. I think it was just that he was in jail because he was convinced to take the fall for the robbery, so that the Earps wouldn't get pinned for it. But then the Earps also knew that he would be able to recant later on, so they were going to kill him. So the only reason that um, what's his face, the printer, the newspaper guy, who was also like, "You got to get him out of jail." To yeah, Harry or something. Harry, Harry, yeah. who was like the newspaper guy and, and the sheriff. Yes, the under sheriff. <laughs> Was yeah, for sub sheriff or something. I don't know. Um, if the sheriff gets sick, the under sheriff steps and <laughs> takes over the role for the, the evening. The bottom sheriff versus top <laughs> sheriff. Um, no, he was the uh, the. He, he just wanted her to get him out because he knew that the Earps were going to kill him. I think mm. that was. I don't know if it was like. I think it was like he's said he committed the crime, but he can go against them, so they will send someone to kill him. So you need to get him out of here. I think was the. The vibe. Mm. which is really funny because they get him out and then he immediately dies <laughs> and <Whoops>. the body <laughs> is like sent to outside of mildred's place of work the nugget offices and it's just like his arm and he's holding this magical talisman and the talisman is supposed to be able like the maker of the talisman can track whoever like helped this dude escape or something and because I've been playing a lot of Divinity, I thought where this was leading was that someone was going to have to eat his arm in order to gain his memories. But obviously, oh my god, not, <laughs> not the case. Oh, uh, so like that could have been a cool twist—magical <laughs> cannibalism. Uh, but instead, he just like he loses. He plots to purpose. Jesse purposefully loses this talisman in a game of poker because it can't be given away. It has to be like traded for some value so he loses it in a game of poker and then that's it Wyatt Earp's like someone in this town's doing magic and it's one of these guys at this poker table and oh see I totally didn't even get that that was how Wyatt Earp figured that out (laughs) I thought it was just important because of the Ringo thing that Ringo was the one to get it so it was supposed to be like because there was a whole thing about oh if another sorcerer touches it they'll also like get Get uh, boo-boos um oh yeah it hurts you if you touch it hurts it. you if you touch it in your magic so like i thought that the fact like the whole reason they had that poker thing was to make ringo into like a non-suspect by having him pick it up and then oh it turns out he was the one who actually made it in the first place so mm. it wouldn't hurt him so it was like a again like a, a heist i didn't even a pick double, up on triple that heist. but see there we was both picked 40 up, chess here. we both picked up on different things that were important to the story me i picked up on the ringo side you picked up on the wyatt side and neither of us picked up on the whole thing and so it was just like why is this scene in here <laughs> this book is so overly complicated it was it was fun to read though but just like yeah i can't A nightmare to explain <laughs> exactly yeah you it, you understand just go along with it while you're reading it so then after that happens like a chinese girl appears to have been sacrificed for some ritual or something and that leads them lung and jesse to find that someone has tried to magically stake a claim on the land using her sacrifice to provide the blood to do that magic and so jesse does some weird magic that makes him sink in the earth and he can undo everything that was done and then someone kills Lung, which is very sad, and Jesse hates that. So <laughs> <laughs> just hangs out in Tombstone trying to figure out who killed him. Always um, great when it's a bunch of white characters and one uh, main minority character, and the main minority character dies. dies in order to dies. propel the white guy's plot forward. Always <sighs> very good. Yeah. And, okay, let's just talk about it then here um, while, we're, while we're ruminating. So... 
for some reason, Cha Long is given this, I don't know, habit of when he's around. So when he wants to talk to Jesse, but Jesse is around a lot of other white people, he like adopts the super stereotypical, like subservient, extremely like accented English, sort of like playing the fool. I don't know why, but the way that it's written is like the author wrote all of the R's as L's and Mm -hmm. like just it was really gross reading it did not make me feel comfortable. (laughs) Yeah, I I wanted to hear your take on that because I wasn't sure where I landed on it. Um, Because I mean, like, she does give the explanation or Lung gives the explanation that he does it basically the same sort of ideas like any number of like spy type movies or anything like that where if you behave in the manner that stupid snooty rich people will think that like if people already have the the idea mm-hmm. that you are a certain way and you fit into that negative stereotype then they won't pay attention to you right um yeah but- which i guess but I don't know if we still needed the, like, I don't know if we needed the phonetics of it, right? Yes, that's my thing. It's like, especially like a white author writing about a, especially in in this time period, writing about a minority group, like, you can just say, you can just describe it. Like, he leaned into an accent that Jesse knew wasn't true. Or, you know, like, you don't have to, when you write it out like that, it makes it seem very, um minstrelly you know and i don't and it's just annoying to read a dialect anyway like no one no one likes to read like the way that hagrid talks just (laughs) just like just say what the accent is let us imagine it i will say and i don't want to come down in too much defense of this because i think that you're right that like it probably just shouldn't have been done um Mm. she does have the other Chinese characters speak in broken English as well, but without mm. the LR swap, which, okay, yeah. I don't know if that makes it better or worse because there's still, I don't know. But then also when she has Jesse speak in Chinese and is transcribing the Chinese back into English, she's having him speak in a broken Chinese, like sh- the way he speaks is broken as well. So yeah. it is, at least with the Chinese characters and Jesse, it's clearly supposed to be like they just don't understand the language. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't know that we needed to have the whole phonetic LR swap mm-hmm. when we're dealing with him pretending to be the stereotype of a Chinese immigrant in the 1800s. Yeah, yeah. And even with the situation with Chu, who is the other Chinese character that we get um, dialogue from, I don't know. It always, it just... Mm-hmm. It leaves a weird taste in my mouth, and I don't know if I'm just being overly sensitive about it or not, but just, like, to read broken English for, I don't know, and it seems, it's not my jam. I don't like it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think there are other ways to show that, like, people are having troubles communicating or that, like, someone is like othered in a situation without making the text that way it just seems it was just a little bit stereotypical to me and i didn't i don't know it wasn't it wasn't like the most offensive thing i've ever read but that stuff always just makes me feel weird reading it so i don't know i don't know (laughs) yeah i mean i think um i think that's kind of like what you said is kind of the the most important thing here is that there are other ways to show this like you could just say write it normally and say they said in broken English and we would Mm -hmm. get what's going on. You don't need to like, you don't need to do the phonetics when it's not a group that you belong to, I think is kind of the, and I mean, again, there's kind of like, this might be a very 2020 sort of like take of. Mm -hmm. It's 2021 now and we're in the future. I said 2020s. uh, Oh, okay. My bad. Or the plural. <laughs> Hop off my jock. <laughs> it's new year, new us. No, it's not. <laughs> anyway, Same the point I was trying shit. to make was that that I do think that like the writing world has become more sensitive to mm. the correct way to discuss like alternate dialects and like when you can and should use a dialect and whatever than necessarily was the case in 2007 2008 but you know i still think it's valid to call attention to older examples of this when they happen yeah yeah which and it's it's a hard line to walk to Mm -hmm. probably because you want you do want to say like you know 
not everyone speaks exactly the same mm-hmm. or, you know, there are there are differences. Like, we hear them every day, but I don't know what the right situation here is. <laughs> so, sorry for talking about it, I guess, but <laughs> that's how I feel. Um, I also wanted to ask you what you thought about this whole storyline with Chu and, like, mm. why it was included in the book also. <laughs> Did it come to a conclusion? I can't, nope. I truly can't remember. It was just sh- kind of there. Yeah. Um, I- there was a lot of stuff in here that I thought was going to go in an LGBTQ manner and did not. And then just totally didn't. And yeah. just didn't. Because I thought that Lung and Jesse were a thing for a while. Mm-hmm. But then, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, that was not the case. Um, Jesse is a straight man who is interested in the straight woman lead Super straight cowboy. Of course. Um, <laughs> and Chu, I also felt the same way. Because Chu is a character who is... Uh, presents as a young boy and works for Lung and after Lung's death Chu begins working for Jesse and then uh Millie figures out that Chu is uh a s- I mean I'm going to say she's she's female because that's what the book leads us with which mm-hmm. I assumed that I I mean this is always the thing with historical stuff right it's really hard to talk about like uh, historical gender because mm-hmm. there's such a different concept of gender. I think if this was set in modern times and this was still a situation, certainly we would understand that Chu falls somewhere in the trans or nine bear mm-hmm. non-binary space. But that's always the default of like anyone talking about cases of like gender fluidity in the past it's always oh they weren't really gender fluid they were just a woman forced into it because you know because of the time because of the time in order to survive but like i i question in this case because there are other women in the society chu is from that are like leading like there's another chinese character who's a woman who's like the head of the like chinatown essentially yes so i don't know i don't know why it was in here it seemed and we even got that a little bit with millie where she was like i'm gonna tell jesse (laughs) no no when she i was gonna say like she had kind of like gender divergent vibes in like she's talking about when she was growing up and she used to always do the same things as her brother and try to walk like a man and whatever oh yeah 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 and i was like oh wait but then she's like oh no and it was just because she wanted to do things like her brother and you know be allowed to do the things boys did and i'm like okay well Yes, mm. it's it's hard because like yes, oppression of women is obviously a real thing in especially historically, but like I don't know, it it overlaps with like non-binary and gender fluidity and like mm-hmm. you know that it becomes like okay, well, which was it? And <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then we get the weirdness too with like Mildred's like, well, if you don't tell Jesse about mm-hmm about this then i'm gonna tell jesse and then she in her interior monologue is like well i don't really want to tell him (laughs) but (laughs) like well then why the fuck are you threatening this person's livelihood just like whatever she was she was real weird about like oh why why were you with lung were you his mistress i oh i didn't really think that i just wanted to make you i just want to make you mad she's (sighs) like still 12 like what yeah this is a young girl (laughs) Oh, it was boy. weird. It was weird, and I didn't know why it was in here, and it, it didn't go, again, like so yeah. many things. It didn't go hard enough in one direction to give me a conclusion as to what Chu was doing, like, what was the deal? Yeah, it just kind of, like, faded into the background, didn't yeah. it? It was just like, well, here's here's something that could be a complication later on, or maybe it'll get revealed to Jesse at, like, a really dire moment when he needs Chu to handle his horse or whatever, I don't know. Um, but nah, it's just like Millie knows and she's got this hanging over Chu's head. So that's cool. <laughs> um, so, so Jesse goes to try and find out who killed Lung and it turns out it was some guy who was involved in the failed stagecoach robbery, maybe, I think. Yes. Some, yeah. I yes. Think so. Yeah. Um, maybe. <laughs> 
and he's he's gonna there are go a kill a lot him. of names in this book, guys. And there I were so many don't names. Remember most of who was on what side, and so many people had the same fucking name too. Mm-hmm. A lot of Johns and Franks. It was like Harry and Harry, and there was like a couple of Bobbies or Billies or something with a and B or Pennies. I don't know. All of the Earps, just all so many every Earp and every every Earp's wife being Mrs. Earp of some mm-hmm. variety, <laughs> and all the women too are named like. Allie, Maddie, Millie, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. (laughs) So Jesse's going to like kill this dude, but then some, some magician extends his magic to kill that guy that Jesse was aiming for and the rest of the people in his posse, which makes Jesse super angry. Um, And he rides back to town and discovers it was Wyatt Earp who did it because he's obsessed. Wyatt Earp is like obsessed with trying to protect his family, I think. Um, And, Wyatt's whole thing with magic is that he can like suck it up from other people. <laughs> so, like so he Doc was a Holliday, vampire the whole time. Yes, Wyatt was the energy vampire of some <laughs> sort. Um, Doc Holliday has a bunch of magic, but he doesn't know how to use it. So Wyatt Earp is like using his magic to force Doc Holliday to stay at his side, so Wyatt can leech magic off of him. And Doc Holliday finds out, and he doesn't get nearly as pissed off about it as he should have. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. And there's, like, again, like, the whole thing with his his wife, Kate. Yeah. Kate is just, like, this horny, like, ready-to-go babe who everyone thinks is hot. And Doc Holliday's, like, super, super obsessed with Kate and how wonderful and beautiful she is. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, is Kate, because Kate also, like, can see magic and whatever, is she also... No, I don't think so. I was going to say she may be also trying to do the same thing as Earp, but like just not being as good about it with uh, Holiday. Oh, but then she's know. all like, I would be fine with him being with Earp if it was his choice, but it's not his choice. So it seems like she is kind of pro-free will. Also, I just looked up a picture of her on um, <laughs> on Wikipedia, and they called her Big Nose Kate. That was also a thing in this book, though, that all the Chinese so characters referred to all the white characters as big noses. Yeah. <laughs> but they weren't, like, apparently, according to Wikipedia, they weren't really, they were common law married, but. Yes, that was because I looked up um, Earp and all, he had, like, five different wives and most of them were common law. So, like, I think that Damn. was just a thing in the Wild West, like, you couldn't get a preacher as easily. So you just kind of. Well, hey, yeah. up. Seems pretty open to me. <laughs> so why it's also like it's kind of implied that he's also taking the magical energy from like his dad and maybe his brothers too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it, it his brothers definitely. Yeah. Um and he rides back to town and he discovers or Jesse rides back to town. And discovers it was Wyatt Earp who did all this. And he binds Wyatt Earp's power so he can never do it again. So I I guess the whole thing was Wyatt, Wyatt Earp's littlest brother, Morgan, was involved in either the failed robbery or the actual robbery. I couldn't tell. But um, Wyatt's just, like, trying to protect him by killing everybody who knows the truth, which, you know, doesn't really seem super black hat. But I guess that's the way you go about doing stuff. I think there's also, so, and I could not tell you what it is, what it was, but I think there's also, because he was involved in the setup of the robbery, I think there's something about, like, he's trying to make money for the family, too, and that's mm-hmm. where it gets into more, like, oh, this is just shitty because, like, he's, he's like, trying to consolidate power and money versus, like, mm-hmm. just trying to protect physically the family. I think that's kind of where it gets into, like, well, maybe don't kill people to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so that was like the plot of the book. But then Mildred's there the whole time. (laughs) And she's got some stuff that happens to her. (laughs) There's like, at one point, a huge fire in town that burns down like a shit ton of buildings downtown, including her house. So that's sad. She's got to live in a tent for a little while. And I assumed that was part of the magic plot of somebody, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was was whoever was trying to, like, get the land for the mine, I think. I don't know. Um, And also, it's kind of hinted at that she also has magic powers. 
I think there's um, kind of like it's kind of one of those things where there's magic powers and then there's like people like who sensitivity. can see and sense it. Yeah, because yeah. she can like sense the magic and so can Kate. But I think that they can't actually use magic. Right. Yeah. So she can like she can kind of tell that Wyatt Earp is up to no good at certain times in the narrative and because he's trying to he's trying to use his magic on her a couple mm-hmm. times to mind control her and she's like mm, no I'm not so sure about that. um i mean i i liked mildred's character i think as far as like female leads in these western type novels go she was like out trying to make a name for herself she was um she she was writing sensational serialized stories for another newspaper like undercover secretly um there was a lot of like um her writing process moments and i was like okay we get it emma bull like you're a writer you're writing right, about a writer you know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um and her like kind of female uh friendships with the erp wives who everyone ostracizes because yeah. of their husbands i think i really liked in general how like she handled all of the like i felt like she was a very friend like friendly towards other women type character yes yeah she, she was wasn't trying to compare herbs. herself she was cool with the like town gossip she was cool with kate like she didn't she was never like ugh this hussy even even the one woman who was like kind of trying to steal everybody's man she was more like wryly amused by than actually like yeah. annoyed by or and, like mad at and she like made attempts to be like, oh, so this is what she's like, you know, as an actual mm-hmm. person when she's not, I don't know, out looking for a husband or whatever it was that this yeah. character was trying to do. Which um, that character does actually marry. That character ends up married to Wyatt Earp in real life. That's ooh, yeah, I, yeah. He, she was poor like, Maddie or Allie. Allie's mm-hmm. the one married to him. I liked Allie. <laughs> that little little brown bird of a wife of his. <laughs> So yeah, this this book is definitely improved on the last two where there are female characters and I feel like they do have personalities that don't just revolve around mm. the men in the town. Like as Despite much as that's allowed. Yeah, so them. as much as that is allowed in the time period. <laughs> yeah. And I she think was- I think it did a good job of like in general understanding that um although there are historical constraints and there are historical myths about like how minorities and women behaved at this time like it it was acknowledging that that these people were present at this Mm -hmm. time and not just part of the backdrop of the west you know like they had their own communities and stuff going on yeah yeah i would i think i would have liked a deeper dive into the world and and the tombstone that emma bull is writing about i like maybe this would serve better as a more fleshed out like first book in a series mm. um i don't know though it was nice to be here yeah i would have liked if um if this was maybe like a three part book series mm-hmm. with like it feels like it's going somewhere <laughs> <laughs> no, no oh okay <laughs> Not anywhere specifically. <laughs> okay, you kind of had that tone where you were like going to make a super sarcastic and specific joke about oh, another no. terrible series. <laughs> I was being serious. <laughs> I was just going to say I would have liked this to be like a three-part series as one of the books from Lung's point of view, one of the books from Doc Holliday, and one of the books from Jesse's. Oh, that would have been, been neat. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no. <laughs> no, we just get this one that was like both super slow and kind of rushed. It's <laughs> a weird combination. Uh, Writing very much improved also yeah. from the other two books, but I guess that's what you get when you're not reading as, like, a more traditionally, re- when you are reading a more traditionally published mm. author than the, I think the other two books were. But I also think this might have been a little bit later in Emma Bull's career versus the other two. Like, yeah, because that... War of the Oaks was the 80s, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, or War for the Oaks, War for the, of the, and, whatever and proposition. Both the other ones, those were, like, they were fairly early in the, I was going to say discography, but that's not it. Bibliography of those <laughs> authors, I think. I guess if you listen to audiobooks. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. I, I did try to listen to this. I, I borrowed this book from Open Library and they did have like an audio option. And I was like, oh, sweet. I can like crochet or color or something while I'm listening to this. And I turned it on and it was like the text to speech. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I cannot. 
<laughs> it I... was so it was just like pause at the weirdest moments and i don't know <laughs> i read this book when i got up today at 12 45 which was four hours later than i intended to get up nice, nice, so nice, nice. had to cram usually like when i read a book like this where it's a you know like not an animorphs book i try not uh-huh. to do it all at once like i'll do like an hour and then go do something else for 30 minutes and come back to it but yeah that was not an option today <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my through. brain was storing the information correctly. <laughs> it was like we gotta keep going. And I did read this over the course of like three days, maybe, and mm-hmm. I still didn't process the information correctly. There so <laughs> I don't know. It's like we had two very different experiences with the same book. I kind of like that though. <laughs> maybe our brains are just not good. <laughs> maybe we've just been in quarantine for too long. <laughs> is the thing though (laughs) Uh, so what are your lasting impressions of the genre i know you said you probably won't dive back into it again yeah i don't think this one's for me y'all and i think that's okay i think that um yeah not everything's made for everything's for everyone and that's cool uh we're not gonna yell at you for liking it sure um i think it was a good book it made me think i should go read more emma bull's stuff because i do Mm. like her stuff i was say maybe something at least for me like more grounded in fantasy Mm -hmm. than real life yeah i i think in general the i just the romanticization of the west just doesn't appeal to me because Mm -hmm. i think that like the things it promises that the western genre promises are um american myths that Mm -hmm. i am slightly disillusioned with at this time of my life i can't imagine why um so it just it it just doesn't and i think this this book did kind of try to not play that straight in terms of Mm -hmm. like lawlessness versus order and that sort of stuff but yeah i don't know just in general it's just not ever uh escape like if we if we view reading as an escape it's not an escape that appeals to me and if we view reading as like something to find something more worthwhile you know like more Mm -hmm, seriously mm -hmm. i just don't I just don't know that I can find anything worthwhile in Old West uh, yeah. like, vibes. I don't know. <laughs> I can, Yeah, I can get that. I, I think it's it's a genre that works better for me. Like a lot of things like visually, mm-hmm. like probably more Western movies than I do books. Um, obviously, like video games. Sure. But that's the thing. I don't think that the, the aesthetics of this even appeal to me. Like at least mm, with... Um, cyberpunk i'm like yeah it would look cool if i'm picturing it in my mind's eye but like as much as i like dirt <laughs> i don't <laughs> you know we've had the discussion before of like scruffy versus uh spiffy as yes a this is spectrum. true i just like the way they <laughs> as much as i love dirt <laughs> and i do land on the scruffy side of things but uh. i don't know is that just the Desert is not an appealing like backdrop to me for my mm. grand escapism sort of fantasies, I guess. I like the I like the setting. I don't necessarily like the town vibes, but like the desert settings. Yeah. I find very beautiful. Um I really like Westworld. I do like Westworld, but I also Do like, you? I do. I like to make fun of it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb Pickles. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, <laughs> yes, we do. We do a group chat where some of us watch Westworld as it airs, and some of us are very dedicated and love the show immensely. And most of the group is like, "This is fucking bullshit." I get very offended when the rest of us tear it apart like we do every other type of media that we talk about. Ah, uh, I love Westworld. I know and you've got it on a goddamn pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. But I was going to say, I would even find that I find the aesthetics of Westworld part of Westworld to be less appealing than the aesthetics of other parts of Westworld, which I'm not mm. going to get into because spoilers. Spoilies for those of you who want to get into Westworld. Spoilies. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do want to get into Westworld, let me know because I would love to talk about it with you. She Don't was- talk to Emma about it. <laughs> Don't talk to because also I don't remember anything that happens. That's the other thing too. That's the other thing too is 
Em's main complaints about the show are things that are like, well, if you if you remember from <laughs> you, things that happened previously, if you had watched sense. the episode eighteen times, like Anna I does. haven't, I've only seen each episode like once or twice. Mm-hmm. I just have a better memory than you, and I'm, I'm also face blind, and I don't think you <laughs> should make true. fun of me for that. <laughs> I will a little bit, a teeny bit. That's fair. <laughs> I just don't look the same. Uh, what else have you been consuming besides Divinity? Uh, lots of Divinity. Uh, Divinity 2, y'all. Divinity um, Original Sin 2. Aside from that, I'm trying to get more into the... I feel like this is appropriate for this episode, but it's going to be less appropriate in future episodes. Mm-hmm. But um, my goal every year, I try to set a goal for like what type of books that I want to read or like what authors I want to read, that sort of thing. And my goal this mm-hmm. year is to read more fantasy um, by diverse authors. Oh, me I, too. Cool, cool. Because I feel like... I was doing really well with like diverse authors in terms of like YA, but I mm-hmm. kind of have fallen off the grid in terms of like adult fantasy and sci-fi. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to get back into that. Um, so I'm starting off with uh, Song of Blood and Stone by L. Penelope, which I am about a fourth of the way through and I really like it so far. It's like really interesting world building. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the plot is like, there's some countries that are kind of like not cool with each other and they're separated by this like magical border but then like the border is getting like holes in it and stuff happens but it's also it seems to be leading in a romantic direction which you know i'm here for hooray uh and it's got a lot of interesting female characters which i'm also here for so i am enjoying it so far and hopefully we'll continue enjoying it i will say if you are interested in reading it um just because i usually do include uh, content warnings for stuff that might be issues uh it does include some uh violence and some um threats of sexual abuse so like just be aware if that's not your scene it is in this book so very cool i just added it to my tbr um How about you? i I talked about this book last year because I was excited that it was going to be coming out soon. And then M got it for me for Christmas. So it was yeah. perfect. Um, I've been slowly reading because I've also been distracted by a video game. Um, <laughs> These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong, which is basically a Romeo and Juliet retelling that takes place in Shanghai in the 1920s, which is very cool. Um, as the title suggests, it's very violent. It has to do with a lot of like um, organized crime warfare and a uh, some sort of drug that makes you do very violent things to yourself. So might not be one for everybody, but I'm here for it. This is the year of violence here on Shelby. It is. <laughs> violence and <laughs> and uh, diverse authors of fantasy books specifically. That's yeah. so funny that we both – I yeah. just – because I was looking at my, like, books that I read last year. I'm like, I didn't read that much fantasy at all outside of stuff we did for the podcast. So, I read like, a ton of YA and a ton of romance, but I didn't read, like, mm-hmm. a lot of adult fantasy or, or like, adult spec fic. So that's kind of mm-hmm. like – I'm like, I feel like I need to catch up. Yes. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. Um, I played – and finished a book or a game called Disco Elysium. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think you or Mark were telling me about this. Yes, I think I think you would definitely like it. It's it's a um it's an open world murder mystery RPG, but there's no combat in it, but you have like skill checks still. Mm. Um it's it's a lot of reading. It's basically a point and click game, but in an isotopic, is that the word I'm looking Maybe. for? I don't know. You guys write in and tell me. I'm a fake gamer girl. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's you're, you're a character who has lost his memories and you wake up and you're in a town and you're supposed to be solving a murder. And uh, it's pretty dang good. I beat it and I you don't usually beat video games. <laughs> it's like it's a little over 20 hours, I think, but mm. it has a little bit of replayability, I think. Also, anyway, definitely would recommend. Well, I might check that out after I finish. Uh, if you finish Divinity, it's a I'm very going long game. to get through it. I'm so <laughs> I've wasted so much time already. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just it's a it's a long game, and then I think also this there are a lot of replayability on that one too because you've mm-hmm. got those other companions that you didn't yeah, even pick up. So I gotta, I gotta play as them once through. Yeah, yeah, and make an original character and make different choices. It's a lot going that's, on. That's that's always the thing with any choice-based video game though is that like 
I'm so bad at not just picking the same choices every time. Same though. Every I'm like, time but I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to murder this child. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> I always set out with like the best intentions of like, I'm going to play an evil character. I'm going to do all the shitty things. No, going to go I renegade, can't. get all the scars in Mass Effect. And I'm like, oh no, I love you all too much. I, These pixels, no. I really can't. Protect. Like, I, I have such, like, Honestly, I think I have stricter moral guidelines in video games than I do Same. in real life. Like- Same. I have never blown up Megaton in Fallout 3, I will say. <laughs> I have never done it. That's awful, heinous crime. <laughs> I just, I don't know what you want from me. I know you're trying to trying to prove a thing about people being pushed to make immoral choices, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> in, the, in a setting that there are literally no consequences to my actions, I still cannot be bad. <laughs> I won't. You won't make me. oh gosh Uh, anyway so next up (laughs) next week we've got another morph monday coming at you with animorphs number 31 32 two i think two the the starfish starfish uh the separation separation the separation yeah yes Uh, and then the week after that we are finally kicking off my new unit I don't know why I said finally. I feel like it's just been a while since my last <laughs> unit. Um, well, because we had we had the submission and we also had the Christmas episode in between, you know? That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, but I've hinted at it. You all probably know what it is. Doing the great detective yes. genre. So yes. books in which there is a genius detective. Yes. Um, what are we reading first? I'm so excited. So, of course, to kick it off, I know this kind of would make more sense in the second episode which is the the primary example but this is what i have the most experience with i've read sherlock holmes short stories before i haven't read a full-length novel so we're gonna do whatever that first hounds about no not a study in scarlet what about hounds of baskerville please why not a study in scarlet it's so boring okay let me just give you a spoiler for a study in scarlet um so like the first maybe half to two-thirds is like we're sherlock and john and then the book is like now i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna switch stories completely and tell you about this dude in utah and uh for a ton of ton of pages and then that's gonna be the solution to the mystery (laughs) y'all So for next for two weeks from now, I guess we'll be reading The Hound of the Baskervilles. Hounds, <laughs> yes, Arthur <laughs> Conan Doyle. Uh, I'm glad that worked. I hate studying Scarlet so much. Uh, so yeah, that'll be that'll be what we're reading. Oh. I'm sure it'll be great. Oh, and I, I already, I already own all the Sherlock Holmes books. This is fantastic for me. Great, thanks. Thanks. Uh, oh my god, I've already got the whole unit planned out. I'm so excited. Uh, in the meantime, if you, oh my, all I can think of is if you like pina coladas. That's the only thing I could think of. If you want to explain to us how the West was won, who happened to be at the OK Corral, anything of that nature, or if you have a book you want us to read because either you think we'll love it or hate it you can tweet at us at shelf awarecast or email us shelfawarecast at gmail.com as always thank you to ben cope for the use of our theme song you can check out his youtube channel in our show notes below we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms so if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those you definitely should because if you don't i don't care i'll pull down your underwear (laughs) (laughs) what is happening I don't know. My mind can only think in song lyrics and primary school. I didn't go to school in England. (laughs) In grade school, nursery rhyme things. This is... We've been in lockdown for 10 months. (laughs) My brain is melting. It's coming out my ears. If you use Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review so that my brain gets that boost of serotonin it needs in order for me to not just fade away <laughs> to quarantine. <laughs> if you don't use Apple Podcasts, that's all right, because you're allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like. In the words of Emma Bull, nice sombrero. Thank you. How well can you see it? It is not a nice sombrero. <laughs> Got him! <'em>. Zing! <laughs> <laughs>
my whole thing is this book is billed as a alternative history, a look at the shootout at OK Corral Mm -hmm. with Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. But the book ends before we get to the shootout at OK Corral. And I'm like, okay, like if you're familiar with the events that happen in Tombstone, then perhaps you can then fill in the blanks for yourself. But like, does every reader have that familiarity? I certainly didn't. Like, I I know. I thought it got to the shootout. No, because everyone's like alive (laughs) still. That's how that's how the shootout the shootout is it I thought everybody died there was no guns it was I thought they did already because it was they killed the maybe not I don't know I because that wasn't at the corral that was like at some other place but I looked this up because I also was not familiar with OK Corral very much mm. OK Corral didn't happen at OK Corral oh well then why the fuck do they call it OK Corral 